Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Good morning and welcome to Fisker Inc.'s second quarter 2023 earnings call. All participants are in a listen-only mode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie, and I am your host, and um, I'm also hot. And I'm tired of being hot. It rained a little bit yesterday here in Arizona. And we got a little of that storm that California got. But it didn't rain that much. But it is humid today. So now it is over, I think it was 105 today. And humid. I'm just, I just don't like hot weather like this. It's not fun. And it's not funny. And I'm in a room that I turn the fans off when I record this so you don't have to listen to the fans. I turn the air conditioner up so you don't have to listen to the air conditioners that just happen to be right outside this room. So I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and jump in to what our main topic is today, which is Fisker's Q2 2023 earnings call. So let's go ahead and jump into Heinrich Fisker's opening remarks. By the way, his opening remarks have been edited to, to make it interesting for this podcast, I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to listen to the entire uh, earnings uh, call. I don't know why I blinked there. <laughs> anyway, let's go ahead and jump into Heinrich's or Henrik's opening remarks. So it's been, you know, exciting to get the ocean in the hands of our customers over the past few months, and we look forward to quickly expanding deliveries across our launch markets. The Fisco team and all of our partners are working around the clock to bring the best-in-class oceans to our customers as fast as we can. Now, our direct-to-consumer sales and service network supports exceptional customer experience. Our North American flagship location at the Grove in Los Angeles has completed all construction. We are awaiting final inspection next Monday. And as soon as that is completed, we expect to open the location. I'm really excited to open this store as it truly demonstrates the experience we want our customers to have. In addition to the comprehensive 24-7 digital storefront, we are establishing a growing physical retail footprint to complement the virtual experience. We currently have customer locations opened in Austria, Denmark, Germany, Norway, Sweden, and the UK. And we expect to quickly expand our physical presence to more cities in North America and Europe throughout 2023. Additional 
Upcoming locations include France, Arizona, Maryland, New York, and Tennessee, which will bring current locations to 15. In addition, we have a few dozen other properties in negotiation in North America and in Europe, and they will also come online this year. We have also expanded our internal service capabilities and physical technicians in the field and stationed, our, uh, stationed at our physical locations. We complement our third-party service uh, to complement our third-party service providers that offer broad geographic coverage in each of our markets. And you can actually see how fast we're able to respond to customers. And I think this really has shown uh, that our broad service network is working really, really well. We have started our test drives events as well, and will extend these to our Ocean One customers who have not received their vehicles yet. And of course, the deposit holders and new customers in North America and Europe going forward. We now have the vehicles we need to start doing these test drives. We have teams ready. And in the last few days, we actually have got done quite a lot of test drives. Let's do a little bit of a detailed ocean update here. Our number one priority is launching and ramping a high quality fiscal ocean with class leading features and range. We're excited to have begun initial deliveries in Europe and US, which will be followed by a fast ramp. In Q2, the Ocean Extreme completed U.S. obligation and achieved the EPA range of 360 miles, which is the longest range of any electric SUV in our class. And of course, in Europe, it's actually the longest range of any electric SUV on sale. I had the pleasure actually of being on, on hand for initial customer deliveries both in Europe uh, and Germany and Denmark last quarter. And we have now delivered Fisker Ocean to customers across four countries and five U.S. states and are rapidly expanding to be in all of our nine launch countries and, of course, many more states here in the U.S. While we are prioritizing deliveries of the Ocean One and Extreme trims throughout most of 2023, we are currently working through the homologation process for Ultra and Sport trims. We anticipate customers' deliveries of those trims will begin in the fall, and Bucard will also touch upon that a little later. And I'm pretty excited, actually, that both the Ultra and the Sport also will, uh, I, I anticipate they will actually also uh, overachieve on the specifications like range when we get the final certification. So, again, I think both of these vehicles will be best in class and offer more range than any of our competitors. So, uh, this will obviously broaden the entire customer, uh, you know, all the customers that we have available in this segment. The Ocean has a large total addressable market in both Europe and North America, which is where our nine initial launch countries are. But we also have plans to expand into other regions as well. For example, we announced a limited edition deliveries into India, which will commence in Q4 this year, 2023. And we actually see India as a key market for our vehicles, especially the lower priced pair that we showed yesterday. And, and of course, uh, India now is one of the largest uh, car markets in the world, and we expect from 2026, India actually will start accelerating elect electrification as well. And of course, we have announced that we will open a delivery center later this year in China, and we will start deliveries in Q2 next year in China. All right, on the pair, uh, the pair this, uh, program, design and engineering, continues to progress well. Uh, for those who had a chance to maybe see the real vehicle yesterday, you can see we pretty much finalized the design of this vehicle. It's frozen. Uh, the entire concept is frozen. 
we have we have made some amazing steps towards creating what I think is going to be the most exciting vehicle of the century, under thirty thousand dollars, parts count which is uh, actually reduced by thirty five percent is amazing, and I want to congratulate our innovative engineering team to have come up with a completely new body structure for this vehicle. And I'm super excited about that. And that's really one of the reasons we can sell it for under 30,000 and we'll still make money on it. And it is scheduled to go up, uh, at least available for sale in mid 2025. And of course we continue to uh, work with Foxconn on finalizing plan for an innovative manufacturing setup that will require that we will require for this uniquely engineered pair. We start a bit slow. Uh, I think what's really important here is that we can very fast get to our 300 cars, 300 cars production a day, and we will achieve that within the next couple of months. So we are on target for that, which ultimately, when we get to 300 cars a day, is 6,000 cars a month, and that is overachieving on a yearly production of 50,000, which was our original goal, but we will overachieve on the monthly target already this year. All right, let's take a break here and, and discuss this. I wonder how their direct-to-consumer deliveries will scale when they reach that, you know, 300 a day, 6,000 a month, 50,000 a year. Because it's easy when you're not delivering that many cars and you're delivering them to, you know, just a few countries. I think it gets quite a bit harder when you're delivering them to more locations within those countries. Like the United States is a pretty big country. So if you live in Ohio and your closest uh, delivery center is in northern Michigan and you're in southern Ohio, on the map, those two locations look relatively close. But in reality, you're looking at a 10, 11 hour drive. Right now, they're being very selective who they deliver to. Over time, that's going to get a lot more complicated. And that includes service as well, which means Fisker needs to have, you know, repair shops. And they need to be able to get those repair shops actual parts. And they, there needs to be, you know, partnerships with body shops and all the way down the line. And those repair shops and body shops need to be trained on how to fix this vehicle. There's just a lot that goes into this. And expanding, you know, their physical presence across the United States is great in other countries, but it's really hard to do, especially in places like Canada. Canada is, you know, just as big as the United States, but our populations are very different. According to Wikipedia, Canada has about 40 million people and California has about 40 million people. So that that, that becomes even harder if you don't live somewhere near a big city in, in Canada. So it's not to say that this is impossible, but as they're delivering these vehicles, um, I think Fisker is going to face a challenge getting these vehicles in the hands of people. Um, when they do open up their Arizona location, I'm definitely going to go check it out. They went over the ocean update. You know, I think that it's a little um, premature to start delivering to non-launch countries like India and China as soon as they are. They said India by the end of the year and China somewhere in the first half of the year. Uh, there are a lot of people who put money down on your product for a reservation. 
All of those people, or most of them, should have their cars before you're expanding into other countries. I know you need to put things in place so that you can expand into those countries, but man, it just it, it a little bit of that seems disrespectful. Now, granted, I don't know how many reservations Fisker has. I can't remember off the top of my head. Maybe it's not all that many. Maybe it's thirty thousand. Maybe maybe this looks worse than it is in in my eyes. But if I ran a business, I think I would try and take care of the folks who believed in me before I expanded out to those folks who may not even know I exist. All right, we're going to get a little update from Bukart, who is the chief technology officer for Fisker. During the second quarter, uh, we completed uh, dual continent homologation in both Europe and the U.S. for the Fisker Ocean Extreme and achieved the longest range in its segment, as Henrik had pointed out, highlighting all the hard work from our engineering teams and our partners. We are currently working on Canadian and India homologation for the, the extreme, which we expect to receive later this quarter. We are also focused on homologating our ultra and sport trim levels. The ultra follows a relatively streamlined process, given the similarities uh, to the extreme versus the sport, which has a different powertrain and other characteristics. We expect to receive approval to sell these trims in the next month or two, and then initial deliveries should start in the fall. As we have discussed before, a vehicle software will continually be iterated. We have equipped the initial oceans with essential features, which will be enhanced over the coming months and will be complemented by more advanced capabilities. We're currently working to finalize the integration of new features and packages, such as integrated drive assist and auto high beam, which we can push out via over-the-air release since our vehicles are fully connected. We are incorporating early customer feedback to improve the product. Our teams are working around the clock to make refinements, which we then flash updates to the fleet of vehicles. We are very proud of uh, product quality of the ocean and are seeing positive external feedback from those who participated in the media drives in Europe the past few weeks. Yes, we know there's always room for improvement and as I mentioned, the vehicle will continually update it. But we are pleased with the excellent product they're bringing to the market. We are ready to launch our OTA updates and expect to deliver the first over-the-air update to our customers that will support enhanced connectivity, etc. Now let me provide an update on PAIR. We are leveraging our experience from the OCEAN program and the rapidly expanding in-house technical capabilities to create a truly revolutionary next generation of mobility. As I emphasized yesterday at the Product Vision Day, the PAIR really exemplifies what it means to be a data-centric vehicle. Our team has developed a very fast, high-performance centralized computing platform we call Fisker Blade. It supports modular, upgradable, single-box compute and communications within the vehicle. It's an all-new EE architecture designed on a blank sheet to reduce complexity with distributed zonal architecture. The pair has a highly connected vehicle with cloud analytics that allows us to continually monitor and improve 
the vehicle via rapid over-the-air software updates that makes the vehicle smarter, safer, and perform better over its lifetime. Fisker Blade is a scalable, reusable, and flexible platform that can be used for the various EVs in Fisker's product lineup. It's truly a win-win for Fisker and our customers. It leads to lower costs and less software development for Fisker, resulting in more sustainable and affordable vehicles. While giving customers more flexible vehicles that are constantly refreshed and improved, resulting in increased vehicle longevity. In addition, we are introducing significant innovations in how hardware and software are developed, integrated and tested much earlier in the vehicle development cycle, which we call Shift Left. Shift Left transforms the traditionally sequential automotive development process into a parallel one. It enables designers to find mistakes earlier in the design process where they are not only easier and cheaper to fix, but also where OEMs can have visibility into the earliest parts of the design through virtual models. With the shift left strategy, design teams can integrate functional safety and reliability into their PCB design from the start. Begin software development and identify problems up to 18 months earlier before hardware is available. And incorporate security and quality into the software during development and testing and across the supply chain. We are implementing the tools and processes to achieve this for PAIR, Ronin, and any future vehicle programs. We have built an amazing team in-house and have some world-class partners. The Fisker Ocean is an exceptional class-leading vehicle. I'm excited for the years of work we've put into the program to be experienced by more and more customers in the coming months. In the beginning, he talked a little bit about the initial Fisker Oceans that were shipped. They were feature-limited. I don't think this is a big deal for a new company. Like if, if GM severely limited uh, the features that they promised for their vehicles, I think that'd be a little bit bigger of a deal. But for a new company that's got limited resources, limited finances, I don't think this is a big deal. As long as they make good on their promised features. And it sounds like they're pretty close to getting their over-the-air update uh, processes complete. And and there (laughs) seems like they should have had that complete long ago. But it sounds like they're about ready to start rolling out their over-the-air updates. And as they do that, you know, these vehicles are going to get more and more features going forward. So I I don't think that's a huge deal as long as they make good on those promised features, like I said. And we heard a little bit about the Fisker Blade in there and a little bit about their design processes and how they're catching errors so that they don't, those errors don't turn into a very expensive problem. And I think that's good. And a lot of companies do that. Next up, we're going to get to Gita Fisker, who is the chief financial officer. And again, all of these folks, their uh, opening remarks have been edited down. So let's go ahead and jump into Gita's opening remarks. She's going to give us a little bit more information about the numbers. Let's go to numbers. We produced 1,022 vehicles in entire Q2, with majority of the production in late May and June. 
our first partial quarter of production and exceeded our target assembly rate of 80 units per day at the end of June. In the month of July, which was a partial month, 1,009 units were produced, up from 741 units in June, and the peak daily assembly rate hit 140 units in July. Again, a 75% improvement from June's peak daily rate. That's unprecedented, unprecedented for a startup. July production was impacted by reduced shifts and fewer working days due to the regular summer shutdown at Magna Steyr, which continues through August 15th. Now, this is a standard practice for certain OEM manufacturing sites, specifically in Europe, which consist of preventive maintenance and upgrades for the assembly facility. Our shutdowns will take place in the summer, currently, and at year-end. We are also using this summer shutdown to help some of our suppliers bank parts to support our volume ramp-up. Coming out of summer shutdown, we will be able to immediately resume manufacturing at the rate we would add due to the highly automated nature of advanced manufacturing today. Since our U.S. approvals happened late in the second quarter, we uh, have begun our standard ocean vessel transport to multiple ports in the United States and in Europe. And in certain countries in Europe, we are trucking. This will enable us to expand both U.S. delivery volumes and geographic distribution in short order. To give you a sense of the near-term upcoming ramp, one of the key commodities is batteries. We already have over 8,000 batteries in transit to Europe or already received. With a total of 2,031 vehicles produced between Q2 and during the partial month of July, Magna Steyr handed over just under 60 vehicles in June and rest of the vehicles in July, that is around 876 customer vehicles. And the majority of these occurred, as I said, in late June and July, which are making their way through logistics to their respective countries and customers. These include USA, Austria, Germany, Denmark, Sweden, and Norway. Now, let me talk a little bit about deliveries. Yes, we reported we delivered 11 vehicles in June out of the under 60 vehicles Magna delivered to us in June. However, till date, we have delivered over 120 vehicles to customers, and as each day goes by, we increase our deliveries to tens of hundreds of vehicles every day because we are delivering in multiple countries every single day. So the numbers will only go up every single day. Looking ahead, as we announced, we are investing in additional battery capacity to support higher volumes than originally anticipated next year. This enables us to expand beyond the initial 5 gigawatt hour annual capacity we announced in late 2021. This decision dem demonstrates our confidence in the growth potential of our business, fueled by the impressive demand for our class-leading Fisker Ocean. Now, at Magna Steyr, without having to invest additional capex, we can go to 70,000 volume per year. Beyond that, we would have to invest in minor capex. The critical point is to make sure all our suppliers, especially long lead parts, get ramped up simultaneously. 
we are already paying attention to growing customer demands globally, and we are going to address increasing capacity with our suppliers already this year. Our digital-first, direct-to-consumer business model went live last quarter. With the full digital purchase journey, including financing and insurance offerings, providing a convenient one-stop solution. Our approval rates are unprecedented. We are very proud to be partners with Chase and Santander, providing great rates and solutions to our customers. We continue to enhance the fiscal web and app platforms to allow our customers to seamlessly purchase their vehicles, and we plan to introduce new functionality over the coming months. We, have introduced, we are introducing trade-ins, insurance, and many other exciting products that provide a complete ownership experience. Now turning to our Q2 results balance sheet and 2023 outlook. Second quarter was our first and a momentous first quarter with revenue derived from vehicle sale, a very exciting milestone for a company that brings the company from a PowerPoint, from a potential automotive company to a real automotive company in two continents, in Europe and in the U.S. Second quarter revenue totaled 825000 driven primarily by initial ocean vehicle sales. During the quarter, as I mentioned earlier, we delivered 11 vehicles of the 60 vehicles handed by Magna to us, but we had a unique situation during this period as three of those vehicles were sold to some early-stage investors who had provided Fisker with capital very early on at lower interest rates in return for a free base vehicle, and they paid the difference between the base and Ocean One price, and this was not Henrik and myself. This transaction was conducted with uh, an investor which has deep pockets with over 20 billion AUM who wishes not to be named. Now turning to the outlook, as noted in today's press release, we are updating our production guidance for 2023 to a range of 20,000 to 23,000 units as our compressed timeline of producing these units in half a year are challenged by only one supplier's near-term ramp capability due to limited hours in a day for their labor to ramp their product. We do not expect this to impact any of our future year's production capacity. In fact, we expect our supplier to ramp further up. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So if you don't know, this show can actually be listened to on YouTube. And we have a very, very small amount of people who listen to this show on YouTube, like six. And one of those folks who listens to the show on YouTube, his name is Darren. And Darren posted a really good comment um, during on the episode where Fisker released all of their upcoming, not released, showed off all of their upcoming vehicles. And he brought up a good point in in that Fisker has less than a billion dollars in cash. They want to do a lot of stuff right now. Like they have a lot of ambitious goals. Tesla insurance, expanding to non-launch countries, all of these vehicles that they want to do. They have a lot of these goals that they want to do within the next, you know, say three years. And they have less than a billion dollars in cash. That's very hard to do. Not to mention the fact that, you know, the infotainment system and the user experience and stuff, stuff like that still needs to be ironed out. Very, very, very good points. So how does Fisker solve this with the money that they have? Well, obviously, they can't. They either need to sell a lot more Fisker Oceans so that they can actually, you know, start bringing in some income. Or they need more investors or loans. Like, they need more money. Now, they do have a relationship with Magnus Tire, which is great because what that does is that keeps them from having to uh, build a factory and all that stuff. It still costs them money to use Magnus Tire. There's an extra cost because they're using Magnus employees. And I don't know if it's Magnus equipment or if it's actually Fisker's equipment, but there's a cost to get that whole thing started up, right? But on the flip side of that, Fisker is able to leverage Magna's supplier relationships and get better pricing on the parts that they need for their vehicles. Now, I don't know what's going to happen when they do the Fisker pair because that's supposed to be built by Foxconn. I think the Alaska is going to be built by Foxconn as well. I guess my point here is Fisker has a long road ahead of them. It's going to be a very difficult one in order for them to to accomplish all of the goals that they 
want to accomplish. And by the way, thank you to Darren for mentioning it on the YouTube channel. All right, before we move to our next clip, I just want to really quick bring up that we have a Patreon for this podcast or an ACAST Plus um, membership. If you're interested in supporting the show, you can do it through ACAST Plus or you can do it through Patreon. There are links in the show notes. All of the money goes back into the show. I would like to go back to CES this year. And thanks to our patrons and the advertisers who advertise in the show, I was largely able to make that trip without taking a lot of money out of my own pocket to make that trip. So all of the money, if you contribute to the show, goes back to the show. You can go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt, or you can just look in the show notes and you'll see uh, how to support the show. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our next clip. Our first question will come from Chris Pierce from Needham. I just wanted to see if you could help with the timeline on production to deliveries. You kind of went into detail on Magna's shut down for the summer and gave some production numbers for July. So I'm thinking that production is going to be very back-end weighted to the fourth quarter. And does that mean deliveries are going to be kind of, deliveries of these vehicles will be in the first quarter of 2024? And I just want to get the sense if I have that timeline right, then I have a separate question as well. Yeah, I think, you know, um, as we uh, mature our production and we translate what what's handed over from Magna to us, we optimize countries where we can uh, uh, manage to deliver earlier, earlier in the quarter, or uh, countries where uh, we have later, uh, countries which have longer logistics get delivered earlier, countries which have faster logistics get delivered later. For example, Austria can pretty much be delivered within 48 hours as soon as Magna hands over the vehicles to us. Just to put things in perspective, when Magna hands over vehicles to us, they have to be trucked to a train line, which is eight kilometers away. Once they get trucked to this train line, they have to be loaded onto the train line. They then make their, or if they are trucked to Germany or Austria, they have to go on a truck. We put about six vehicles on a truck. Once they get to a port in Zeebrugge, they have to be loaded onto a vessel to Scandinavian countries and to North America. East Coast is about 10 days to 14 days. West Coast is a bit longer. So obviously, uh, these logistics, to a certain extent, govern how we manage vehicle movements from Magna to our prospective customers. Once the vehicles arrive in in fiscal locations, destinations, certain countries require a limited uh, uh, period of time when you can convert customers if they are financing. Of course, if they are cash customers, less restrictive. But if they are going through our Chase or Santander financing, and registrations require a certain period of time. So you've got to give about a week or so to allow for financing, uh, getting all the registration documents as well. But I expect that the inefficiency will uh, convert into more efficiencies and reduce timeframes as we move further. That does not seem like a very efficient system. However, when you're first starting off, in you know any business, much of the systems that you have in place aren't going to be very efficient. Some of that might be because of money constraints, employee constraints, constraints. Excuse me. Um, you know, the, the, there's or just knowledge. Like you're just figuring things out as you go. So 
I think they're going to get there I th- I, where they need to be. The, Fisker has a lot of smart people. I think Heinrich, Gita, and Buchart are all very smart, and I think they probably hire smart people from what I've seen. So I don't I don't think this is going to be a, a big deal, but it's a good update for sure. I think it's a good update, and it's kind of interesting. I find it very interesting, like the the production and manufacturing process, and then also you know what needs to be in place. So w- when you order your car, what happens between the time you order it and it gets delivered to you? So I thought it was a good answer. Earlier in the earnings call, I, I can't remember who talked about it. It was either Geeter or Heinrich. They talked about having one supplier that kind of fell behind and couldn't deliver the parts that, that were needed to be delivered. And that put Fisker behind. This is a question about that supplier and why they fell behind. What was the cause? So let's go ahead and listen to that. Our next question comes from Jeffrey Osborne from Cowan. I was hoping to flesh out the nature of the, the supplier constraint. You mentioned labor. Uh, was the, the component or, or um, product in question always intended to be labor intensive, or is this an issue of tooling just didn't work and they're having to do rework it? Any additional details uh, on how you're going to resolve that problem would be helpful. Uh, Jeff, it's own, a simple case of how many units can you crank out a day? As simple as that. So, unlike uh, electronics, where you can just sort of print millions of PCBAs. Uh, there are certain components in automotive which are more um, exhaustive to make, which require more time, and it's a cost of what a line can produce, what is the capacity of a line, what is, the, what is a line tooled up to produce. So this particular line is tooled up to produce uh, 50,000 units a year, and uh, they simply can't crank it out in six months. And so just to put a pin in that, that'll be resolved by Q1, that you'll you know, run at that, that run rate that you talked about? Yes. The 6000 a month? Yes. The, the supplier has made the effort to uh, go through the hiring exercise to, to run at 6000 a month by you know January or December. You said you would hit that run rate by the end of the year. So I just want to make sure that that's the only gating factor to get there. Yeah, I think we can, it's a two-shift operation, so we're already running a two-shift of operation. If the supplier needs to run a three-shift, they'll run a three-shift, but I think that uh, in a full year, a two-shift operation is good enough to get us the volume that we need. That seems pretty self-explanatory. Next up, we're going to hear about the pair and the Alaska and the commonalities between the vehicles, those two specific vehicles in the Fisker Ocean. Got it. And then just a quick one on the pair in Alaska. Great to see last night in L.A. Um, is, what, what is the commonality of the, the two platforms in particular, the Alaska? Certainly you saw that with Tesla and the Y leveraging parts from the three. I would imagine you would be able to do the same and those would be margin accretive. But is there any way to dimension what the commonality is for those two platforms relative to the ocean? Yeah, it's, it's very high. Um, and I would say... Uh, Probably we're in the region of, I mean, if you exclude the, the body panels, uh, we are probably in the region of about 85% to 90%. So I would say it's extremely high commonality. Uh, it's really just an extended uh, uh, ocean platform where we have added a wheelbase towards the rear. Uh, we, we are even using the same battery 
size, which allows us to have this Houdini trunk, which actually moves right down behind the battery, which would not be possible in any other pickup truck where the battery goes all the way to the rear axle. So in ours, it doesn't. It also gives really good weight distribution, and you can put a lot of load in the back because you don't have the battery running all the way to the back. So it's, like I said, it's very high commonality, and that's also one of the reasons we should be able to get it very fast to market. I think these vehicles sharing a lot of the same parts is really smart. I, I think that, you know, they, they kind of already know what works and what doesn't work. However, they are different vehicles, and I think there's going to be challenges, unforeseen challenges, that might delay their production or, you know, maybe out of the 80 to 85% parts that they share, there's three parts that they can't get. So they have to, you know, they have to delay production until they can get those parts. I think these vehicles will come to market faster than the Fisker Ocean did, but I don't think it'll be as easy as they're making it sound. All right, let's go ahead and jump into our battery question, because you got to have one battery question every earnings call. Our next question comes from Pavel Malkinov from Raymond James. It, it seems like battery prices have really plummeted in the past, you know, 100 days, kind of four or five months, perhaps. Uh, is that consistent with your expectations or is there perhaps some room to achieve cost savings? compared to the initial assumptions? You know, battery price is actually quite transparent. You can see, um, to be honest, there's LME and there's Shanghai Metal Exchange. So since uh, it's not a secret that we buy batteries from CATL, Shanghai Metal Exchange is obviously the obvious uh, exchange for us to look at raw materials. And uh, you're absolutely right. Raw materials have gone down, and I think everybody's benefited from it. And we have uh, two different chemistries, as you know, in our car, NMC and LFP. Um, and, and the mechanical components, we have a good edge on because we are, of course, uh, procuring them in China with CATL. Uh, so I expect the trend continues um, this way and it stabilizes the market because, frankly, in my opinion, uh, customers need to be able to afford electric vehicles. Batteries are a significant part of the bomb and uh, for us to make uh, affordable EVs and for prices to stabilize battery cost has to go down. There is no other way. I think this is good information, but I don't really have anything else to add. So let's move on to our next question, which is where are the other vehicles going to be manufactured? Austria is where the Fisker Ocean is manufactured. You know, right now Fisker has a, contract or i don't know if they have actually signed the contract they're close to signing a contract with lordstown not lordstown uh, foxconn to produce the pair at the lordstown plant so let's go ahead and hear their answer look let me follow up on the new models that you guys unveiled uh yesterday for everything except of course the the ocean in austria will the new models be produced in the United States, in-house? So, uh, obviously, the pickup truck, the Alaska, has to be produced here in the U.S. because that's where the main market is. 
Uh, we are also eventually planning to bring Ocean over here to the U.S. and build it here as well for the U.S. market. We see the uptake in Europe and just the general outlook in Europe to be extremely promising. And I think uh, Magna Europe can probably serve Europe uh, already from next year uh, with, with their capacity. So we need extra capacity probably by in the next year or beginning of 2025 here in the U.S. Uh, the pair, as we already announced, will also be built here in the U.S., uh, we are still in, in final talks uh, with, with Foxconn. I mean, when you deal with the contract manufacturing, it's a little different because you have to go through all the details of each vehicle to understand the exact cost of assembly. Now, the vehicles we showed yesterday, all of them, it's not just a show car that we showed. Those are actually vehicles that have been in development for quite a long time. I mean, the pair we started development in 21. Uh, the Ronin, we started in 22, and the same with the Alaska, we started last year. Uh, so all these vehicles are actually pretty far in their development time. So now it's just a matter of, of us later this year deciding on the exact manufacturing location or potential manufacturing partners. I don't know how much time is involved in developing a new car. I have no idea if it's 10 years, three years, two years, one year. I am going to say, though, that the Fisker pair has been in development since 21. We're now in 23. That doesn't seem like that long ago. The uh, Ronin was, you know, it's been in development since 22. That doesn't seem like that long ago. Now, I realize that we're a couple of years away from them actually producing these vehicles. So, uh, you know. I'll give them I'll give them that little bit of time, but it seems like that's still less than five years. Seems like a very fast development time. All right, our next question is uh, a plant. This is a plant. This is a retail investor question, and if I remember right, it was the only retail investor question. And what happens is they use a service like Say. And people are able to, or investors are able to write in their questions. And then somebody from the team reads that question and then the team answers it. Now they, they absolutely have all of the, the control of picking which questions they want to answer. And uh, this is not a surprise to anyone on the team, but it seems like they're trying to make it sound like a surprise. So let's listen into this one. Some of the early customer feedback is that the Ocean software is slow or a little laggy. Uh, what steps are being taken to improve this, and, and uh, can this be addressed uh, with uh, OTA updates? Actually, that's a in really interesting one. I've read a number of comments, and in fact, uh, yesterday I had a chance to talk to Sean Callahan, a.k.a. Fiskorati, and I asked Sean, Sean, I've read a bunch of comments online which says, the UI UX and software is very laggy. And I said, you know, I have a feeling there was a fake Bloomberg article that tried to tell people that there was an issue with software and software was laggy. And very few people want to defy that. So, Sean, tell me, what do you mean by software is laggy? So, two things. First of all, I asked Sean to run a review on his forum where he should ask people, uh, uh, especially the 120 owners who received their cars, Let's go from tab to tab to tab, and let's see how long it takes to go from tab to tab to tab, how many seconds, and then let's do a comparative vehicle. 
And Sean said, well, you know, people are comparing this to the iPhone. Now, if I'd like to be compared to the iPhone, that's a completely different metric. So that's the first thing. Before we get to the second thing, um, it still makes me laugh how, how she's like, oh, that's actually a really interesting point. There was a fake Bloomberg article and nobody wants to challenge that. So I went to Fiskarati, which is a website dedicated to Fisker. It's similar to Tesla Roddy, except for, you know, Fisker Roddy. You see how that worked? Anyway, uh, they, they also have a YouTube channel. And I think the, the people that run this site are very knowledgeable in Fisker vehicles. Like, I have nothing against them, nothing bad to say. But Fisker is a company. So if they wanted to dispel these rumors, they could very easily set up a comparison between the Fisker Ocean and a Tesla and a Kia EV6, for instance, they could com- they could they could easily set up a video that compared these. They don't need to go to a website that I don't know how many readers Fiskarati has. Um, let me look in YouTube and see how many subscribers they have. Like it's not. Uh, sorry, this is terrible podcasting. But uh, it's not their responsibility. They have uh, almost 6,000 su- subscribers, so quite a few. It's not Fiskarati's responsibility to run your test for you. It is your responsibility. And there's 120 people who own this car. You could very easily, as you know, the manufacturer of the car, reach out to those folks and pull them and ask them, hey, is this car too slow? What can we do to fix it? These These are all things that internally Fisker can do. They don't they don't need to reach out to a fan site and ask them to do this for them. And I, I shouldn't say fan site. I'm assuming it's a fan site. I've seen some of their videos. They, they, they're not, um, like, they don't give Fisker all of the passes, you know. They are, um, I think they're responsible in what they, that they talk about and fair. But, yeah, that, that just kind of set poorly with me. So let's get to our second point. The second thing is that I think that we have to put into perspective what we consider as the vehicle and the connected vehicle and what do we expect of the vehicle. I'd like to pass it on to Bukhard now to talk about what is laggy software and what can we do to make the experience like Apple. Yeah, uh, thanks, Gita. So as we have mentioned, um, the software will be continually uh, iterated. So we have equipped uh, Oceans number one with essential features, and this will be enhanced over the coming months and will be complemented by more advanced capabilities. Um, We are currently working uh, to finalize the integration of new features and packages, and we'll push that uh, via our um, over-the-air pipeline and release that uh, since our vehicles are fully connected. And that is uh, the smartphone experience uh, Guido was just referring to. You get constantly updates, and um, that makes it uh, so interesting and attractive to keep the car fresh and updated. Um, we have incorporated already early customer feedback, so even incorporating into these updates uh, the customer feedback. Who can do that? Our teams are working around the clock to make refinements, uh, which we then flash into the fleet of vehicles. So we're ready to launch our OTA updates and expect to deliver the first OTA to our customers that will support enhanced connectivity, etc. 
the best way to handle this is you say, hey, you know what? We know there's issues with our software and there's improvements that can be made and we're working on them. We have a big over-the-air update coming soon. You own it and then you move on. I do think it's appropriate to bring somebody up from that team to talk about what they're doing to make these improvements. But maybe maybe by Fisker's standards, the software isn't laggy. But by customer standards or by some customer standards, let's say 40 people think it's laggy. That's a pretty significant percentage of the people who currently own your vehicle who think there's a problem. So you need to fix that, Fisker. You don't need to go out to a, a website and be like, hey, I know you cover us, so why don't you do some work for us? I don't think that that's not the that's not how that relationship should work. I know that's how it works sometimes, but that's not how it should work. Our final question has to do with charging networks. Now, the this earnings call was before the official announcement that Fisker would use the NACS connector. That was that was before this was before that announcement. So here in the United States, you know, they're going to use whatever partners they have here as well as Tesla. All right. Having said that, let's go ahead and jump into the clip. There's been a lot of discussion and and news from uh, other automotive brands about uh, charging networks. Um, can you update us on Fisker's uh, charging network relationships and, and any plans for expansion? Yes, so we've announced our public charging partnerships, ChargePoint in North America and Def Power in Allego in Europe to provide our customers with broad coverage. And it's really encouraging to hear the various announcements about expanding fast charging network across North America. We're very open to discussing charging with all potential partners. We believe the more coverage, the better for the customer and for expanding EV adoption in general. Uh, it's important for our customers to have access to charge both at their homes and on the go. Europe has a common standard, but U.S. has competing standards. We believe competition advances innovation, and it helps improve the customer experience. I understand there's a lot of anxiety if we have any discussions with Tesla to use the supercharger network. We absolutely will do whatever is the right thing for our customers, whatever supports our customers. From our standpoint, we have a fully drawn-up agreement. Fisker has signed the NACS agreement. We're just waiting for a signature from Tesla. I think that it's important for, you know, customers who are buying an electric car, especially uh, an electric car from a company that is new and might go away in the next couple of months or weeks or years. I think it's important for customers to feel secure in that they're going to be able to charge their vehicle when they're on a road trip or at home or whatever. Now, we have standards, and that's good, but having more options, so ChargePoint, EVgo, Tesla, Blink, all of these EV networks that are that are out there, and there's even more in Europe and other parts of the world that I don't even know about, I think that's great. I think you should make partnerships with as many of those folks as you humanly can. I think that's it's only good for the customer. That's it for our earnings call. Um, I do want to correct something. I mentioned that on the last episode that Tesla had a, the, a new universal wall connector that would plug uh, would charge the vehicle either with a 17, 1772 adapter 
or a NACS adapter or connector. Um, I mentioned that my car didn't have the ability to schedule charging around peak times. And Thomas very nicely wrote in and he said, no, it absolutely does. So if you go in the Tesla app and then you go to charging and many of you probably already know this, and this is just me that's stupid. So, you know, I'm bear with me while I go through this, but if you go to the uh, schedule in, in the charging or in the app, and there's a, a tab called departure. And then if you enable off peak charging, you can choose all week or weekdays. And then you can tell the car when you want it to uh, not charge, like at what time. So mine's at 145, it's gonna stop charging my car. And then if I go to the charge tab at 815 at night, it'll start charging my car then. Honestly, I'm not sure how I missed this because I absolutely went in and told it that I wanted it to start charging at 8.15 at night. I don't know what I, I don't know how I missed it. Anyway, I appreciate Thomas for emailing in and letting me know that so that we can correct that. I don't want to give you, I don't want to be given bad information out there. All right, everybody. It's, it's been a long episode and I'm starting to fade. So could probably tell. So I'm going to go ahead and let you go. I hope you all have a wonderful week and I will talk to you on Friday. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.